You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. How are you going today? I'm great, Richard. And you have been reading some Tolstoy. Oh, well, yes, this is a follow-up. Do you remember uh, I started... Um, during COVID, started reading War and Peace. I shared that yes. to the podcast a little while ago, which I thought I'd never get around to, but I uh, made a start, and I'm pleased to say that I have finished War and Peace. <laughs> uh, <I'm>, well done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a bucket list, but if I did, that would be on it, I think. And so, um, yeah, that, uh, I've finished this 1,000-page yeah, Russian piece of literature. It's a small, simple accomplishment. Would we call it a tome? Yeah. I feel like that's the word that applies to it. It's a big, heavy book. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, at least just, yes, on Kindle at least, it's the same as every other book. But <laughs> the percentage moved along, took a long time to move. <laughs> so do you feel like a changed person? Oh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> so has it shaped you in any way to have read this book? Um, I think I feel like I understand Napoleon's invasion of Russia a lot better. Huh. Um I realized, I learned that people in St. Petersburg, uh, the aristocracy spoke French just as much as Russian um, huh. in around that time. Um, and uh, Was that because intermarrying between the French and Russian courts was, they're just all related to each other? No, no I think it, French was the language of education and culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, that's often what people spoke. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. Uh, a highlight, a great feature is that chapters are quite short. So you can just read, I just wrote, read a little bit at the end of the night and fell asleep. Um, mm. But uh, I thought I'd share a quote, which was, um, I went back on my Kindle and I sometimes highlight things or make a note. And I just thought, oh, I'll go back and see what I highlighted. And uh, there's this great little section where he talks about Napoleon saying how, he's kind of saying how, well, everyone says Napoleon is great, but because he lacked really any moral qualities, we can't say that he's great. And um, he's saying here, uh, I'll just read the little quote. He says, For us, with the standard of uh, good and evil given us by Christ, no human actions are incommensurable, and there is no greatness where simplicity, goodness, and truth are absent. So just a little little quote saying it's no good talking about how great Napoleon is if you're going to totally ignore the way, you know, say he he left his troops, he kind of ran home and left them in the cold in the winter in Russia. And uh, Tolstoy is saying, no, you can't just say someone's great. And beautiful little line there, note where there's no simplicity, goodness and truth. Uh, There can be no greatness. So, yeah, I just love little little insights like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, uh, yeah, War and Peace. I <laughs> finished. Well, usually um, I would say, sounds like a good book to read, but um, I have no intention. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going not gonna to press that on you at all. <laughs> um, Joe, what have you been thinking about, reading about? So uh, what have you been doing for, uh, yeah, living a good life? Fun? Well, I, this, this is one that I've been thinking about for a while and didn't share as soon as I watched it, which is the American Gospel um, documentary that's been on Netflix and people have talked to me about it or mentioned it in passing in my presence. And 
I watched it. I watched half of it a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what it is, I, I'm assuming you've watched it, have you, Richard? I have actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they said. I think the goal of the documentary would be to preach the gospel of Jesus found in the scriptures, and to do that directly in the face of false teaching, um, particularly prosperity gospel and word of faith movement. Yeah. And so the way they do it is um, they. It's a real juxtaposition. So if, if we remember in from year 10 English, it's putting two different ideas right next to each other yep. to try and draw a comparison. Yep. And so they, they jump from prosperity gospel to biblical truth to prosperity gospel to biblical truth. And there's lots of different voices mm-hmm. and one-liners and it false teachers, truth teachers, false teachers, gospel teachers, you know, and I, I did find it quite dense and hard to follow. And mm quite emotionally provoking for me. So I really only got through half before my free trial of Netflix ended. And then <laughs> I think probably at Christmas time when I get my next holiday, I do Netflix on, on the holidays only. Yeah. Um, I'll, I might go and have a look at the second half of it. Um, it was hard because I just felt so keenly what was trying to happen, which was a conflict between yeah. Christians about um, a perceived huge and systemic error, false teaching sweeping across the world in in prosperity teaching. There was this one quote that I thought really set up this whole section at the start, which really set up the issue, which was this lady, Jackie Hill Perry, she says, in a lot of ways, my church put emphasis on things that scripture didn't put emphasis on. I don't think Jesus was at the center. The emphasis on what we do and what we can't do. As a new believer, I never really knew that the gospel was a big deal. So the question was, what do you earn? What are you doing to earn God's favor? And they list out a whole lot of things: speaking in tongues, um, caring for someone, etc. Mm. And she says, the feeling was, if you haven't done these things, you aren't a believer. And then immediately following, you have Matt Chandler. He says the most common misperception about what Christianity is is that it's a kind of moral betterment program. And that that was just it. Just my heart ached because I thought that's not why Jesus died. That's not what Jesus is about. That's not the message of Christianity at all. Yeah. And yeah, so I found that was really good. Uh, and I actually had a great conversation with someone around church um, who grew up in a prosperity gospel teaching church, and she said it rings true. Mm-hmm. And for her, it was very saddening to watch mm. because she knows that family members she loves who are Christians are still in that kind of church and are well-meaningly following their pastoral leadership. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I found it very provoking actually mm. and not an easy watch mm. what about you how did you what did you think yeah i i really um i enjoyed it i could, mm. was just was thrilled to hear the gospel uh preached clearly through that mm. and um yeah i in i actually um asked my parents to watch it who are not christian but i thought yeah. um they have a netflix subscription and the idea of watching a show a documentary on netflix was very normal to them and i sort of said yeah yeah if you watch this um you'll get a bit of an idea of um the gospel of grace that's so important to me and mm. um and they did and so oh great um yeah so uh, i'm thankful for the gospel the american gospel documentary yeah providing opportunity great. to uh, yeah communicate with some so my family, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I think I did have one concern with it, which has given me pause, and I haven't really talked about the movie with anyone mm. because I'd wanted to think about this idea, is that as I watched this movie, I was thinking, oh, I know of some really powerful Christian teachers who are women in the States who have quite a, quite a following. And I also know um, there are many women who are Christians in the States. Yeah. And so I turned on this documentary thinking, I'm going to see complementarianism here. I'm going to see men and women mm. preaching 
the gospel, sharing truth. But actually, the overwhelming experience of watching it was man, 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 woman. And, and I am, I think I'm a little bit hypersensitive to that. And I'm working on trusting God about his design. And I love God's design. Yeah. Particular men are appointed to lead and teach churches. But this was a documentary, and I think I would say I would have loved to see some more theologically rigorous discussion from a woman yeah. on, on there and because um, there was lots of great commentary and there were some really powerful women in there. It wasn't that there was no women, but um, I just I thought there was an opportunity there and I would have loved to meet some more. I, I thought it was might be an opportunity to see some more Christian women from America who are theologically trained Mm. To, to just go find them and learn more about them and learn from them. And, yeah, so I thought that was a I – was, I was saddened by that a bit, but also really was asking to myself, well, I don't know the context of the American church. I don't know why that's happened. My generous assumption would be there's a really good reason for who they've picked and why they've picked them mm. and that maybe they approached a lot of women but it wasn't appropriate at the time for them. Or, you know, there's a whole lot of backstory that I don't yeah. know. So generous yeah. assumptions aside, like as I want to approach it. But, um, yeah, that would be my main – thing yeah. I found a bit difficult. Yeah. No, good observation, mm. Joe. And, um, mm. yeah, I noticed the same. And I think I really like the way you've, yeah, trying to take the, the positives out of that observation. And, um, mm. Mm. yeah. Well, it made me think about, you know, how do we as a church show what we value with not just our on-the-ground ministries, which mm. will never get a video recording them, and but also our front our video recorded ministries that both of them reflect complementarianism well mm. um, in different ways. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Um, and Bible reading, what are you yes. uh, getting into in the Bible, Joe? Well, we're quick fast running out of time, but I'm still in my <laughs> Zachariah reading, which I have found a bit of a slog to be, <laughs> to be oh, honest. Yeah. No, no, this is good. Don't, <laughs> don't rush through this. Um, but I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten to this, theme I've noticed in Zechariah 13 verse 7 to 9 it talks about a sword um striking the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered mm. and I thought that sounds very familiar yeah and <laughs> why is that familiar yeah and so I couldn't find it so I looked it up and it turns out it's the moment where Jesus is talking to his disciples in the last supper the upper room and he's saying mm. you're going to abandon me Peter says no Jesus well he, he's Jesus uses the phrase you're going to fall away Jesus says no and you will fall away um, and to Peter. And Peter says, I'm not going to. And Jesus says, no, you're going to disown me. And it was this really strong image of the sheep disowning and falling away from the shepherd when the shepherd is struck. Yeah. Um, the main thing I guess I thought about it is because it's come up twice in Zechariah, there is this theme of bad shepherding. Um, and I think the main thing I thought was look more at my shepherd, Jesus, mm -hmm. um, because I'm confident that Jesus is at work in me by his spirit, that he sent me, and I'm assured <laughs> by his hold on me. Yeah. Um, but I also want my gaze to be always just really consumed with love for my shepherd and that good shepherd image of John 10. And so I was sort of just thinking about that yeah. on the weekend. But, um, yeah. No, I, I there's, there's quite a poetic verses. This weird mm. point is Zechariah 13, yeah, like seven. Is Verse it? seven, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Awake, You're going to read it? Yeah, I'll read yeah. it. Awake sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Mm. Um, now, 
yeah, it's in the in the zone of Zechariah. There's a whole lot of just. I think we talked about this last time. You just kind of let it wash over you a bit. It's the yes. poetry. It's the imagery. Yes. Um, and uh, I think you're right. Like just immediately see the Bible word shepherd there. Think about Jesus. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Old Testament is peppered with imagery of bad shepherds, mm. and and so you're meant to see the contrast between the bad shepherding over the time with the pet like a few little good shepherds coming through yeah. uh, a, few, a few examples and then this complete opposite perfect shepherd in, in the good shepherd in jesus and so i yeah. think it, it hints on a bigger theme throughout the prophets and mm. i think for me i see the way that as a church as christian community we are so dependent on jesus the shepherd like mm. um the the little sort of um would you say embryonic church of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles mm. was mm. immediately scattered as soon mm. as the shepherd left, left the picture. Uh, and our existence as any church, church community with any sort of unity or, or coming together is dependent on yeah, Jesus, our shepherd. Mm. Uh, mm. If he was, if he was gone or if he, he exits our churches immediately, we're just, we're gone, we're scattered. So, mm. Mm. Not that he will. I mean, he promises to care for us and look after us, but mm. Uh, mm. such a close relationship there. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm sorry. I'm focusing on thinking of what you're saying rather than <laughs> the next thing I'd say. So I've got nothing other thing otherwise to say. But yes, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Mm. And you've been reading. Have you? Yes, been doing you have. I have. Um, thought I'd share with our listeners. Um, I'm reading at the moment a bit of B.B. Warfield. Have you uh, heard that name? Yes. We had to read it in the first year at Moore College. <laughs> Good. Read him, uh, I should say, not read it. <laughs> yes. Um, his full name is Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield, and uh, he's a theologian from lived 1851 to 1921, so uh, not super old, but, yep, mm. getting a bit old now. And he was professor at Princeton Seminary, which is in New Jersey. And um, I found, I just booked a picked a book off the shelf of his like yeah, at our um at our venue we have a lot of books on the shelves that have just they just sort of arrived there i think people older folk clear out their bookshelves of uh, and and things come our way and i hang on to this one <laughs> so this one's just a little selected shorter writings um but i'm uh, really enjoying just reading these short little articles often they're pulled out of old um old uh, christian magazines or dictionaries or encyclopedias and um the one I just uh, read a little bit last Friday was about um, uh, predestination, and mm. uh, he's um, quite a—he's a very logical, clear writer, and I enjoy hearing him speak into his culture and his time. Um, mm. That gives that little bit of corrective from, uh, yeah, being too set in our own culture and time. Mm. Um, but there's a short I share a great little section where he. Um, kind of contends against the idea that predestination is really just God knowing what is about to happen and his plan really just reflects a knowledge of what will happen. Mm. And he's saying, no, 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 that's, that's not the case because he says, um, for assuredly, if God has included anything in his plan because he foresaw it would happen uh, without such inclusion, it is not his plan which determines the course of events, but the course of events that determines his plan. And he is certainly no longer God. <laughs> oh wow that's cool so yeah if 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 god is getting the agenda dictated to him then he's no longer god, Not so, god. um 
Yeah, I mean, apart from the biblical evidence and reasons, theologically, that's why it's so important to see that, um, yeah, God's plan is not about um, foreknowledge or includes foreknowledge, but it, it is his plan before the before foreknowledge. He's, he's the mm. one setting the agenda. So mm. Mm. I thought to myself, thanks, B.B. Warfield. That was a good <laughs> insight. Yeah. Hey, just a random tangent. Yeah. Just before, a few sentences ago, you said it's not just significant. From, you, know, you can see it from the Bible evidence, but theologically it's significant. Yeah. Can you help? I think I use that word theologically all the time. Can you clarify what you mean when you say that word theologically? Oh, um, I mean uh, in, that, in the context of, as I was talking then, uh, looking at the big truths of God, the Bible, humanity, revelation, um, yeah. eschatology, and um, uh, yeah, understanding one in the light of the others. So uh, yes, yes, yeah. So it's sort of for- forming a view of all of those things with God at the center. Would you say that? That's- yeah. Yep. Who, who God is at the centre. Yeah, yep. okay, right. Because I use that word all the time and I thought, you know what, I've never asked Richard what when he uses that word what he means and I just thought we should be on the same page about that. We should have understanding. Sure. <laughs> well, I hope that helps. I, uh, I could mm. possibly put more thought into it, but uh, I think we might <laughs> we better leave it there before we out of time. <laughs> I get into <laughs> more theological tangles. All right. Well, good to chat to you, Richard. Talk to you another time. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.